Welcome to the Art of Slowing Down to Quantum Leap podcast that I created especially for conscious introvert entrepreneurs. And if you desire to grow and quantum scale without the hustle and are ready to discover the missing pieces to effortlessly running a solar line business, then this is for you. And I'm your host, Annalena Fuchs, a human design and energetic alignment coach. And my mission with this podcast is to provide you with a shortcut to your most aligned path to success and financial freedom using a powerful combination of human design, science, and spirituality. And I myself have shifted from working nine to five to now enjoying the freedom of creating things on my own terms. And I want to help you do the same. Welcome, beautiful souls, to another episode of the Art of Slowing Down podcast. And today I'm thrilled because I have another human design expert here with me, and I'm so excited to start nerding out, like she already said. Her name is Alexandra Cole. You may also know her from Instagram or her website. She's exceptionally amazing. And I'm going to read her bio formally, and then we're going to take it away. So Alexandra is a former corporate consultant turned human design coach. And after a decade of helping Fortune 500 identify and articulate their why, she pivoted to help individuals, families, and couples do the same. She uses human design as a tool to help her clients pursue their purpose with more clarity and confidence. Alexandra is passionate about translating insights from her clients' human design charts into actionable strategies for optimizing their relationships, well-being, careers, finances, and family life. Alexandra was born in London, raised in Amsterdam, educated at Princeton University, and now lives in beautiful Santa Barbara, California with her husband and two-year-old son. Becoming a mother inspired her to create Thriving by Design, a collection of tools, cheat sheets, and online courses designed to give parents insights into their child's, child's children's <laughs> unique sensitives preferences and gifts, as well as tactical tips for how to support them. And Alexandra, this is my favorite part of the whole bio when I was reading it. Alexandra is happiest by moving her body, eating good foods, exploring new places, and in deep conversation with newer old friends. <laughs> ah, beautiful. Classic Welcome. generator. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my, my pleasure. I'm so happy that I finally had the courage to reach out because it came to me several times intuitively. And then I was like, why am I not just doing it? And I was like, of course I can just reach out to her. And I asked her. So I was so happy to see your name pop up in my DMs because I love all your incredible content too. I feel like we're kindred spirits in terms of the way that we try to translate yeah. this system. Yeah, I, I feel the same. And um because sometimes I I have to be honest too, like sometimes I don't resonate how people talk about human design and yours, I love it. It's so, it's so grounded, so loving, so expansive, just beautiful. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. So let's uh, talk a little bit about your journey. So how did human design find you? How did that come about? Wow. Well, I, I sometimes laugh because if you would have told me 10 years ago that this is how I would be spending my time. I would definitely not have believed you. As I think my bio said, I 
was very much in the corporate world. I was mm-hmm. very um, much on this ladder of ambition, kind of following the yellow brick road that I felt like had been laid out for me very on in life already. Um, so I left Europe to come to school in the United States. And once I got there, it seemed like everyone was being funneled to this corporate world of finance, consulting, strategy. Mm. And so that's where I ended up. Um, but I'd always been fascinated just by human beings and psychology and better understanding people and their motivations. And so I'd always been drawn to personality tests and I took every test I came across. I made my family take every test and I kind of overanalyzed them. And at some point in my corporate career, probably about two or three years in, I um, started meeting with a close friend of mine who was starting a business and I started helping her on that business. And very quickly I became so involved that it was almost assumed I would leave my job to, to kind of start that company with her. Um, and that move was so driven by my sacral. It was so gut driven. Like I didn't even question leaving that path that I had always imagined myself pursuing. And I started to wonder, wow, is this what it feels like to be on purpose? And I was also looking at all of my peers who didn't maybe have the clarity around what they actually wanted to do or how they wanted to live their life or the courage to to leave that um, predictable path and do something completely different just because their heart or their gut told them to. And that kind of made me fascinated about how can I help people trust that purpose more and live their purpose more? And how can I make it more tangible, like a very kind of step-by-step process of this is how you identify and articulate your purpose. Um, And that became kind of a side passion project of mine. I ended up writing a book about it, creating this whole kind of system. And around that time is when I discovered human design. And it was like the missing puzzle piece. It was like, oh my goodness, this is actually a roadmap to how to live your authentic kind of purpose. Um, And I ended up signing up for reader training. Again, just a pure sacral hell yes that came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Um, and I took the training and shortly after that, I actually took a little sabbatical. I was kind of getting burnt out with my job and I was looking for that excitement again. And human design was the answer to that for me. And even though I never imagined starting a whole kind of business as a human design coach, it very quickly became clear that I needed to do this in my life. I got so much joy out of the time I spent with people kind of diving into their design and providing guidance based on their design. And as a five one, um, right with the one in my profile, I love having a system (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I can ground my work in. And I found that human design really provided that structure that I needed as a quote unquote coach. Um, and I've never looked back, you know, my business has evolved over the years in terms of how I work with people. And again, like my bio said, I've shifted more towards parenting and human design as well now after having my son. Um, but I don't think I'll, I'll ever not be practicing it in some way, shape or form. Mm, I love it. Oh my gosh, we have so much in common. Like when you were talking, I was like, we must be soul sisters. <laughs> I also was in the corporate. So, you know, this consulting, go up the career ladder kind of path in the beginning, which never really felt right for me, to be honest. 
And I always say the same thing, like human design was the missing puzzle piece, you know, and mm-hmm. I had done coaching certifications like for years and stuff. And it just wasn't, it was following like this, this too tight framework and human design, like you say, yeah, it gives a structure, which we also need, no? Mm-hmm. And it's so expansive. It's so unique. It's so like, oh my gosh, what a gift we have been given, right? I, I keep reminding myself we have this for a reason. And the thing I love most about human design, I think, versus some of the other tools that I encountered is human design gives the individual so much power mm-hmm. to take ownership of who they are and how to authentically express themselves and move through the world, right? It prevents you from pointing fingers because even this whole concept of the, the not self, it's not about recognizing the not self and looking for the problem outside of you, but it's recognizing the not self and then looking at, you know, internally and saying, okay, how can I prevent this from happening? Where am I not pouring my energy and time into the right things or in the right places? And that kind of personal accountability is something I love so much about the system. Mm. I love that. And that also reminds me like how not to use human design, right? Because if we're using it like, oh, because you have this center defined, that is not good for me. Or you have the center undefined that like, I see this sometimes and every time, like my whole body goes like, well, we're not here to blame each other. It's always, it's about myself, right? And yes, it's about the awareness so that you can navigate any situation or combination of charts. Yeah. a more supportive way. Mm. Like and so you are just to reveal the secret. You already mentioned you're five one, right? So you're five one emotional generator. And yes. one thing that I actually want to ask you because I find that people misunderstand this so much. So I'm a two four manager with sacred authority, and people often come to me and like. Well, because when I talk about sacral response, well, I have emotional authority. Does this still apply to me? And they're always generator types, right? And mm-hmm. I would love to hear from you being an emotional generator. And of course, I know the answer, but you still have a sacral response? Majorly so, <laughs> yes. I think the, and how I think about the difference is that as a generator with a defined sacral, my gut, I can always tap into how my gut is feeling about something. So I'm always going to have some type of gut response to whatever is taking place in front of me. And in fact, a lot of the times my decisions, I do still very much weigh my excitement around them. The emotional wave. So let me put it this way for the, for my gut or my sacral, it's more of me proactively tuning into it. So a lot of the time I'll actually put my hand on my belly and I'll kind of check in with my gut. My emotional authority is something that I observe more because it overwhelms me. It's not something that I control in that same way. I can't check in with it. It will just be there. My, my emotional reaction will just kind of start taking place and I'll feel myself kind of on that wave. And I've learned over time to just be patient with it, to observe myself on the wave and to really wait until I found that place of 
you know, cool, calm, collected, but it's, for me, it's more like settled where the emotion has lost its charge. Mm. Um, and that's the place where I am able to kind of reflect and make a decision based on how I feel, but it almost feels like that happens to me more so. Whereas my sacral center is something that I can just, I'm, I'm always in touch and in connection with my, with my sacral and my sacral response. Whereas mm. the emotional response or the emotional reaction overcomes me and feels more like something I need to observe than control. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I'm going to share actually, because it's so, that's what I find so fascinating with human design. My solar plexus is completely open. And actually now we're going to talk about charts. I'm going to share my, my chart with you. Yes, please. So I have yours here in front of me. So my solar plexus, as you can see, is completely open, right? Which used mm -hmm. to be a big struggle for me, especially before I knew human design. And for me, it's as well. I have the sacral response. And this is like, ooh, I want to go for a walk. Like we we all have in the moment feelings in the body, right? Like what feels good, what feels not so good. It's like for me, it's like a expansive light feeling, or my whole body contracts. It's not it's actually not just in my belly, to be honest. It's like mm. a whole body kind of feeling. And I can feel a lot. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't have an emotional wife, but I can pick up yours. I can pick up my partners. I can pick up everywhere where I go. So for me, with the open solar plexus, I have to be super careful especially making big decisions because what I finally learned from my own experiment, right. Is that mm. this hyped up energy that's like, Oh my God, this is so exciting. I need to do it. That is not my sacral response. That is like picking up somebody else's excitement. And so sometimes it's almost like I need actually almost longer. I mean, I don't know if it's longer than having emotional authority, but I need to really get out of all the energies, be really by myself, Mm -hmm. And over the day, it's really like, is this really like right? Mine, I mean, especially with one that's so open, like 99% of the time when you're feeling that emotional charge, it's not yours, right? It's yeah. like, you're not, you're here to be very objective emotionally. And I think the space will allow you to find that objectivity because whenever you're in someone's aura, you're yeah. not going to be able to get away from their feelings. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's when, honestly, when I first learned about human design, it was a little bit misleading the way mm -hmm. that I learned it. It's like, no, you have sacral authority. You just make spontaneous, quick decisions. But the more I learn, I was like, hold on, hold on a minute, <laughs> you know? And that's why I love how everything is evolving. And like, you know, we, we share with the world how we experience it and, you know, put our own little magic. Yeah. Kind of to it. I think the big difference here for us is we're both very emotional. We can both be very emotional with a defined or undefined center, except I have to trust my emotions above anything else. And you yeah. need to be a little bit more skeptical of those emotions because most likely they're not yours. So yeah. we're both riding that emotional wave. It's just, where do we look for the, the clear, most trustworthy guidance? And for you, it's never going to be your emotions. And for me, it's always going to be my emotions. Yeah, that's a, that's a great uh, point. I love that. That gave me some clarity actually with a trust because <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, it's not me. 
right? And then I feel yeah. disconnected. And then I just, I have, I need that alone time and which works well with my two lines, right? So yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. And for you, it's like these emotions are there for you to, okay, right now it's don't rush into anything, observe it, be with it. And then you will just know, right? Yeah. And the other thing is for, for me, other people's emotions, I'm able, this is what I've noticed also in like just interacting with clients, but also with close friends, I can hold a lot, a lot of space for big emotions in other people because I don't take them on myself. Right. And so whenever there's like, if, if a friend loses a parent, for example, I'm very comfortable in that situation. I can be there for them. I can ask questions. I can show up for them without it affecting me necessarily in the same way that it would affect you because you, you know, when you're with them, you're literally taking on their, you're carrying that weight alongside them. And I'm able to basically maintain that, that separation of self and other, um, which is another thing I've noticed with emotionals. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. It's better now that I have the awareness but it does take a, I mean, for the wisdom to arise, it's, it's a, it's a painful learning curve. Mm. Definitely. I can imagine. Well, you're lucky that you have this tool because Mm -hmm. that's the beauty. I always tell clients there's nothing wrong with you, right? This is a, this chart reflects a perfect Annalena. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of learning to work with what you've got rather than judge it or wish it were different. And so I think once you can accept, no, I am just a very highly empathetic person. Yeah. It's easier for you to manage that without attaching too much judgment or weight to it. Hmm. And that is another thing I want to talk about em- being empathic, because if we follow this strict human design, okay, you have an undefined solar plexus, you're an empath. I have found that I have met lots of people that have emotional authority but then they have either or even both the G center and the will center undefined, especially when both are undefined, they're always highly sensitive, empathic, because it's not only that one center, right? No. And I feel like I'm a very empathetic person, right? And But for me, I think my empathy comes through the spleen, th- through the ability to understand people's fears and anxieties more so, right? Like I read into that. So I think there's so many different forms of empathy and you're right. The G center, an open G center gives you the ability to quite literally step into someone's shoes to fully grasp like what it is to be them in that moment in time. Hmm. So that's a, a totally different form of empathy. So I, I completely agree with you that I think we have a very limited, um, understanding. And if we're just looking at the emotional center for empathy, I don't think it tells the full story. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cause sometimes people are like, well, but I also consider myself an empath, but I haven't defined, I have a defined solar plexus and stuff. And then, cause anything that's undefined in the chart, right. We, we take it on, we can feel it. So I love that. Yeah. And one thing that I love, so we both have a small split, right? Yes. And I'm actually looking right now if if, if we complete each other's split. <laughs> so because yes. you have the two, the five, the 34, the 36, and the 46. I do have yes, the I do. So 
we have it right there. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have, what do I have missing? <laughs> you the missed eight, the eight. 20, I, yeah. 26. Yeah, you have the eight through a full channel. 26, 31, and 33. So yeah, in, yeah. in a way, like when we come together, we have no more split, right? How do you experience the split? I would say that for me, the split comes more towards like taking action based on my values. I think I'm very good at expressing values. I'm very good at um, also providing other people with a lot of guidance, but I think sometimes I forget to act on my own excitement or more strategically live by some of those like emotional sacral type of impulses, let's say. Um, and what I do really notice is I almost feel like for me, that gate 46 is really key because I, I actually feel a very deep connection to the body, but sometimes it hasn't been a very healthy connection, right? There's a lot of insecurity mm -hmm. around the body. Um, so I've had to do a lot of work there. And I do know that when I feel most confident and comfortable in yeah. my body and when I'm around people who don't, who also are very comfortable and confident in their body, I feel much more connected. Like I feel that, that, that split is bridged when I'm around people who are insecure in their bodies. It, it suddenly I start taking a lot of that on. Interesting. I love so this because a key one. Yeah, because in the so that's actually when we when we look at deconditioning, right? For for us, we want to look at the split, the yep. split gates, so that, that the gates that are undefined that we kind of have, so to say, missing. Mm -hmm. That's where we can get conditioned the most. And I love that you have that awareness, like for you, because yeah, you can amplify people's insecurity with their body, right? And that doesn't feel good for you. But then when you're around others, it's going to feel really good. And then everything is connected through like a healthy uh, connection or bridge in some way, right? Yep. I noticed that very strongly. And again, just like you with the emotions, like the more I've become aware of that, the easier it is to manage. But man, do I wish in my teenage years and my early twenties, I had the awareness of how sensitive I am to that like physical piece in the people I surround myself by. Mm. I love that. I love that. Do you experience any of your splits more so than others? Like, are there, are there certain um, areas where you feel like the conditioning has been greatest? Yeah. So definitely. I mean, some of all of them. So the 26 is definitely a big one, like being in integrity with myself, you know, because I can so beautifully be there for others. And mm -hmm. also when it comes to work and always deliver. But then when it comes to myself, I can slack. Yeah. You know, that yeah. And also, I mean, 31 is, is a strong leadership kind of energy. And I have the seven in my conscious earth. So stepping up as a leader is kind of one of my big challenges in life. I think I have done a pretty good job so far. I'm really proud of myself. Um, but it still shows up sometimes, you know, because I get into questioning myself. I think my two line energy, you know, I forget my magic. Yeah. 
and I need that mm. re reconfirmation a lot. And and what I have also noticed, so the the thirty three, right? Because I have thirteen is also my conscious son. It's absolutely not good for me to be with people that get into gossiping, because mm. that's kind of that energy, right? Like like it's just it's almost toxic. Yeah, because a lack of it, thoughtfulness around when to express and how. Yeah, because I I know I can so easily like take it on and and like mm. it leads my channel and that kind of stuff. But I have become so much more discerning or like this is actually not what I want to get into because yeah. there's not anything good. The energy is just not good, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's really interesting to me just kind of looking at your chart how the throat is really only connected to the ego. So for you expressing from a place of what is best for you and what you want is, is the most like natural and healthy and authentic way to express yourself. But I found that's very hard in today's world, especially for you as an introvert. I can imagine there's a lot there to unpack. So maybe you, you gear towards, I want to express myself in other ways, which is where the, the 31, eight and 33 splits kind of might come up a lot I love this because I I had also I don't know if you know her Rachel Weaver she was on my podcast as well she does messaging with human design yeah and she also pointed this out to me like and, and actually I, I looked at this the other day because exactly I have only one channel go to my throat and some many gens have five channels go to their throat it's a whole different mm-hmm. body and that channel is to talk about myself a lot. It's like JLo energy, right? Like, JLo has an it's not a bad thing if you can no, no. embrace it like JLo does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I, I got to be honest, I can step it still up. And there is a mm. sense of, even as I speak right now, I can sense a little bit of discomfort, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, because exactly what do I, yes, what do I want and what do I want for others? That's really what I'm here for to talk about. Yep. And, but I think what I do a lot is I, I speak a lot from my G center. Yes, that's what I'm that's what I imagine happens a lot. You know, and also I mean my daughter also has the one eight channel. And of course my whole incarnation crosses also, you know, in 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 the in the G center for myself. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, and the other thing is also what I have really noticed when I talk like when I do masterclasses, I love doing masterclasses, but once I get to the two hours, I need to close my mouth. I need to stop mm. talking because I put so much willpower and yeah. when I speak and I get excited and I'm I'm fully on. And as we know, the world center needs that rest. Yes. So that's when I experience the most fatigue when I when I talk too much. Mm. So it's like for me I- finding that balance there. I also imagine that for you, a big one, because you have that gate 40 is that when you are in the correct environment and have the right audience, you're, you're going to be able to lean into that, mm-hmm. the channel of the 4521 a lot more comfortably because you feel supported and you feel like you're getting the feedback that you need in order to like shine. But if you're in environments where you don't feel like the audience is as receptive, you might get into more of the two questioning and and the insecurity might prevent you from fully owning that channel of expression for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's this dance between like my membership, for example, or any any offer that I put out, out there, I make it very clear 
I need to slow down. I'm going to withdraw. I'll come back. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be on all the time. I just can't. It's not going to benefit yeah. anybody. Right. And yeah. and I see you have K40 as well, right? You have it. Yes. In the undefined. So yeah, must be familiar energy for it. I love, I mean, that's my core wound actually in the jinkies. Mm. So wow. Yeah. I, I mean, so it's my vocation, right? And the jinkies at yeah. the end of the day. And it's like for me, it's so like it's coming through more and more. It's like I am so overwhelmed or exhausted by this too much information and no to this, mm. and this and all these opinions like almost my whole body contracts and I'm very actively in the process of like yeah consuming less consuming less mm. consuming less and being more the creator because I it, love that there's a phase with everything right like there's a I have been a consumer for so long mm. and first this came through I think two years ago I was like oh I'm I'm no longer the consumer running to the store. I'm actually opening my own store now. And I need yeah. to focus on that. If if I keep taking on constantly things from somewhere else, I cannot be fully present creating what I'm here to put out into the world. And now with human design, following my sacral, if there's something really like I need to learn something to get to the next level or that helps me in my business, a process, whatever, it comes my way anyways, right? I don't have to yeah. search for Well, it's funny because the things that you're describing right now are, I think, almost bridging the splits of the one eight and the 1333, right? It's, it's that because the one eight is very much about being the curator instead of like constantly, right? It's it, there is some like creation happening there. And then the 1333, that's, that's also about like being more selective maybe with what you're choosing and then doing the processing to turn it into something that's yours instead of just regurgitating what you heard. It's like really sitting with things and figuring out, okay, what do I want to want to create from that information or from that knowledge or from that story? Mm. I love that. I love Mm. that. Can I ask you one question about my chart? Yes, of course. So, because I love this, you have an undefined spleen with with my favorite gate on it, 44. Mm -hmm. Um, and my spleen is on fire, right? So yep. yes, it is. And I, I was as a child, I was a ball of fear, hmm. literally. Now, I mean, I, I have started to learn that, but I, I don't know. I would just love to hear hear your take on it. On the spleen in general? Yeah, like like how you how you perceive people that have a defined. I mean, I have noticed. I have worked with a lot of people that have a very similar spleen than me. They were kind of born around the same time. And they they struggle with a lot of anxiety growing up, lots of fear presence, holding back and stuff. So, of course, it depends yeah. on the elements in the chart. But I, I find that a very, very, very common theme. And my partner, for example, has a completely, he's an undefined, he has a hanging, he has yeah. a there. But it's, um, I feel like, with an undefined spleen, I would like love to hear that from you. Like the fears don't take you over that much, even though I know you can amplify them. You can also like, I guess, can get more frozen in it, especially if it's completely open, but it's just something that it's, it's more consistently there in my life. And mm-hmm. it used to really always hold me back. And I have learned now that my fears are actually my access point for all the magic in my life. When I just have the courage yeah. to move through it and trust my intuition 
and my sacral. Yes. That's a beautiful way of looking at it. And I think for me with an undefined spleen, it, it is for people with an undefined spleen. I feel like listening to the fear is more of a choice. Like I will find myself in fear, but it's easier for me to choose to overcome that fear, ignore that fear, process that fear and move on. Whereas that letting go is much harder when it's defined because there's like this constant tether to the fear that never truly goes away. Mm -hmm. So with a defined spleen, at least to me, the, the key is truly coming back to the present where that intuition really has the opportunity to guide you as opposed to the fear. And so I try, I kind of, that awareness of being able to recognize what your defined gates are in the spleen as having a defined spleen and being able to notice when your mind is in that space of fear, which to me, I really think about it as a as a continuum, like a time continuum of where your thoughts are. Okay. So when your thoughts are in the present moment, that's where you're tapped into intuition. That's where your intuition can be that compass that it's meant to be, can guide you, can tell you um, when something's safe, when something's not. As soon as your mind goes out of the present moment to the future or the past, that's where fear and anxiety have free reign. And so what will happen is, right, you'll be driving your car and you'll get this intuitive ping to take a left turn where you usually always go right. It's so funny. I always say that story. (laughs) Really? Yeah. So you're about to take the turn, right? And then immediately your mind's like, well, what if there's traffic there? And the last time you took this route, like, you know, there was a mailman who was blocking the street and, and it's just the chatter in and of itself that then makes you miss that turn. So really for you, it's like having this unbreakable faith and trust in your initial reaction to things and continuously coming back to the question, what is true for me right now? What is true for me in this, this moment? That to me, if, if someone with a defined spleen can just have a sticky or multiple all around their house that say, but what is true for me right now? Then every time they get caught up in the fear stories, they can just, they look at that and they're like, okay, but right now I'm just brushing my teeth and it's a Tuesday and I have a great day planned and there's nothing to, there's nothing to stress about, right? It's just our human just brains are so incredibly powerful at storytelling. And that is what gets defined spleens into trouble sometimes because we live in this fictional projection of the future instead of living in the reality of the now. I love this, a fictional projection of the future. That's exactly, that's exactly like when I, it's always the very first voice that's my truth and then my stuff oh but um, what's not gonna happen and then that's all yeah it's exactly it's a fear it's so good to hear this have this reflected back from you that's why I love this so much with you know yeah I can isolate myself and just be by myself but I really only learn about myself fully and when we come together because you can reflect things back to me I can reflect things back to you right and from sharing our experiences like we feel so seen, right? We feel like, oh, exactly. That's what it is. 
and just hearing other people's interpretations and then finding the overlap. I completely agree. Mm -hmm. Like, I wish there were more, I got to do more of these types of conversations, right? Where you actually speak each other's language because yeah. I learned so much from that. And especially as a two, four, right? For you, it's so hard for you to see yourself clearly. Yeah. I have I have it, find it hard to see myself clearly because I have the five, this projection field of who I think other people see me as versus who I actually am. But as a two, four, you especially need the external feedback. Yeah. And I'm just counting. You have a bunch of two lines actually in your, yes. in your chart, you have one, two, five or six, something like that. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of, so yeah. 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 Yeah, love, no, I feel that. Would love to hear the five line. Mm. How has that been playing out for you? Wow. Well, this was one of those things that when I discovered, when I started to learn more about the five line, so much about my life and my interactions with people and how people perceive me started to make sense. Um, so the five line, right. For, for those who aren't maybe as familiar with it is the line of the, the savior, the challenge solver. It's someone who has this, this org energy of being able to help. And fives oftentimes walk into a room and instantly people gravitate towards the five as, as having the answer or the solution or being able to kind of support them in some way, shape or form. And when I talk about this idea of a projection, there's the projection there because people, when they look at a five, they only see what they want to see. They only see the version of me that's going to be able to help them. They don't necessarily see the kind of truth of the situation in that, in that moment. So I've always wondered, like, why is it that you know, I'm at a dinner party and people just pour their heart out to me? And my husband, you know, I'll be sitting next to one of his best friends. And afterwards we're, we're talking about the night and I'm sharing all these things that have happened to this friend. And he's like, what? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I see this person all the time. Um, and the challenge for me though, as the five is not to take responsibility for every single problem that I encounter. Mm -hmm. Um, because we fives, we, we, we feel the expectation that other people have of us very keenly. And we feel a lot of pressure to live up to that expectation, but we're not always able to, and, and being able to recognize your own limits as a five is the most important thing that you can do for yourself, but also for others being able to indicate, Hey, like I, I see you, I see the challenge you're facing. This isn't something I'm going to be able to support you with, but like here are maybe some other resources you can look to or people that I can connect you with, but it's so hard, especially as a generator who like, I just constantly feel pressure to do and to provide for others and to be that martyr. And I feel like my worth is so tied up in being able to say yes to helping other people with their problems. Um, so for me, just learning to actually set those boundaries and acknowledge my own limitations is key. And also as a five voicing and clearly communicating when I need help, because I very quickly recognize when other people need help, right? Because I'm sensitive to that. And I am always, I always show up for them. 
And so I assume that people can see that in me too. And I think I'm being very obvious, right? I think I'm just, I think it's obvious that I need support and no one comes. And that's really frustrating. But once I, again, take ownership of my five, I can actually reach out to the people that are closest to me or that I trust and say, Hey, I'm struggling. Can you step up or I need your support in this way, shape or form. Um, and that took me a long time to realize. And otherwise as a five, you just end up carrying this burden of expectation and guilt. And it's, it can be really lonely in a way. Mm, I love that because my my partner is also a five one profile and I, I literally everything that you have like I learned through him the five line I feel like it was it's such a gift and I think now that you were talking it's like I helped him actually to sometimes like ask when he needs something because mm. it's always he's always saving everybody trying to fix it everything and it has been so beautiful to see his evolution where he started to now set more boundaries and and even like, okay, you feel guilty, feel guilty. It's okay, but you still don't have to do it because there have been so many um, examples that I have witnessed from the outside where the person was a savior because yeah, they can, because mm -hmm. they felt like obligated, but then they do something and then people make accuse you. Oh, but now because you did it, now I have this other issue. Now you have to fix it. So it actually creates a whole ripple effect of other problems if you don't follow your sacral, right? Because you know, yes. sometimes it's yours to help out and to fix, provide a solution, but not all the time. Nope. And it can cause the codependency like you're describing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. amazing that you were able to, and, and my husband helped me with this a lot too, because I think as a five, it's very hard to let people see the vulnerable side of you because you're so used to always being the strong one that can take on anything and everything. And so I think it's, it's inevitably going to be up to the people that are close to you, your partners, right. Or family members to, to be able to teach you that lesson and let you know, it's okay to say no. Right. It's okay to, to set yeah. that boundary. Yeah. Yeah. We're celebrating that now always when he's like, <laughs> yeah. said, no, it's not my thing. <laughs> I mean, it's so liberating, seriously. And, oh. and like we, I think we all have some, I also have some five line energy in my chart. Right. I think I have it in my, you have quite a bit in your, in your conscious sun too and earth. Right. Yeah. Or was so that, oh, I that was your partner's my, chart. No, a North node. Well, this, this was you. Oh, that was me. I was like, I know there's a lot of five in there. So, but I have like my unconscious south and north mm -hmm. node is five line. Plus I'm a, I'm a guilt motivation. So that is like a five line. That's why I love it. And I, I also, I so relate. Like I'm always like, yeah, I have the solution. Like it's really easy. Like, why are you guys not seeing it? Let's make it practical, simple. And when I learned about my guilt motivation later on, actually just sometime this year, I dove into it. I was like, that makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. you know? yeah and I think it's just beautiful and there's one thing that I also want to talk to you about the five line which I have sometimes which I again then find we don't use human design the right way sometimes um there is this kind of energy around oh I'm a five line everybody's just projecting their stuff onto me I, I have no work to do because everybody <laughs> is just and I'm like uh, that's not really what this means no to me five is responsible like i think responsibility is very closely connected to the five but there's this 
the challenge of a five is figuring out how to get enough responsibility in their lives, but not too much. Mm. Like how to, how, cause without responsibility, without, without the action that you're talking about to actually do the saving and the solving, Mm. a part of us isn't going to be fulfilled, right? Like we need a certain amount of responsibility for others and ourselves in terms of like the solving the problems in order to feel fulfilled and on purpose. But we need to watch out that we don't take on too much to the point that we don't become effective. So I, I think it's it's figuring out where that balance lies for, for you. I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So, I mean, always best from a really experienced five line herself. And because I was just looking at the time, I was like, oh, okay, let's talk. We wanted to talk about parenting a little bit as well, because I know yes. that you have really shifted into this. You're a mom yourself, right? You have a two-year-old son. So mm -hmm. I would just love to hear some, what, what's your son's design if you, if you want to share and like, how have you been finding this helpful and what are some tips you have for parents? He is a one, three emotional manifesting generator. Mm. And I decided early on that I was going to treat this whole thing of becoming a parent and being into human design as an experiment. So I have, I had his chart, but I was like, I'm just going to let him, I'm, I didn't even really study it. Once he was born, I just kind of pulled it up, saw what he was in broad strokes and then set it away for a while just to kind of allow him to tell me what his preferences were and, and get to know him. And then I started incorporating his chart more in terms of like how I showed up and supported him. And it's been amazing to witness how incredibly accurate this tool is without the conditioning. Cause I'd never seen it up close. Right. Cause even me finding human design fairly early on in life, there's, there was a lot of conditioning that had already happened. Yeah. Um, and I think understanding your child's chart gives you not only the ability to obviously kind of understand them and support them in the way that is going to be most um, effective for them, but it also allows you to recognize the opportunities where, where there's potential for conditioning and kind of protect them from that and, and help them lean into their design so that they become more resilient, right? The conditioning is going to happen, but you want to make them resilient enough to, and aware enough um, to confidently push back on some of that. Um, but I also think that, you know, parenting is one of the most terrifying things and there's so much uncertainty from the get-go, right? Because you're handed this baby that doesn't actually speak and they can't tell you what they want other than with crying. And so you're just, it's one big guessing game from the beginning, even when it comes to feeding, for example, and human design gives you that, that tangible roadmap and that blueprint so that you just have more confidence to trust, not just yourself, but your child. So instead of like, I remember this so clearly, like I had prior to having my son, I downloaded this like feeding schedule by this expert. And it was like, this is the time slots that you feed your baby. And I'm sitting there with this child, like forcing the 10 AM feed and the 7 AM feed. And he's just not into it. Like he'd feed for like five or 10 minutes and then be over it. And I'm, I, I was, I remember literally sitting there in tears being like, I'm such a bad mom. I can't keep up with the schedule. 
And then just my knowledge of human design reminded me to kind of one, look at his digestion and two, just to trust that like the kid is going to eat when he's hungry and he's going to ensure that he gets enough nutrients. Like I don't have to force that. Um, and sure enough, I started noticing when I just kind of let him guide me that as the day went on, he started to consume more because he's in direct light digestion. And he made up for all those ounces that he missed in the morning by 10 PM at night. And that was just, I think that specific example convinced me to throw every handbook, every podcast on parenting kind of out the window and to just let him teach me. And yeah, this is beautiful. that has been the, the greatest gift as a parent, because I'm so much more relaxed I'm so much more confident in how I approach parenting because I'm not comparing myself to anyone else or any gold standard. There's just me and him and my husband and our unique dynamic. Um, and even this morning, for example, I just dropped, this is his first week of school and I just dropped him off. Uh... And as a one, three emotional, he's very attached to what makes him feel safe, AKA me. Um, and he gets very emotional when he is encountering situations that are, that are challenging. So he, every morning this week, he's been crying. And this morning I had to laugh because he's standing there on the school playground. I'm leaving and he's bawling his eyes out, but he understands. I need to like, logically he knows mom has to leave. I'm going to be okay. But he's, and he's waving at me and just sobbing, but waving goodbye, saying bye-bye mama and sobbing. And it's like such a perfect example of like, he's just in that emotional wave. Yeah. Like he just, he's going to cry for 20 minutes and then he's going to be fine again. But like that, and, and just knowing that makes me so much less anxious leaving him in that state because I know that's just how he operates. Ah, this is so beautiful. Because my, my daughter, mine is 11, and she's also managing for six Seiko. Mm. And I mean, I, I didn't know about it when she was that little, right? But just since I know about human design, it has been so helpful because she's very active, right? And makes a huge mess with colors and jumps from one thing to the next. And there is no linear kind of with anything. And I mean, just, just that alone. And but the more I let her be, she's incredibly creative. I mean, it's, mm. I don't know, she sometimes blows my mind. Like this week, she started to cook. I never taught her like, like, but like spaghetti bolognese and not just like heating something. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I have been watching you. It's like, okay. <laughs> and I'm like. That is so cool. And, and I have questioned myself along the journey, right? Because I'm also not a parent like to just play with the kids. It's just not mm -hmm. my. And I know other people, like they force themselves to, you have to play with your kids. And somehow that has never, it's not that I'm not doing anything with her, but it's more relaxed and she's more independent around me, right? And she's so creative with play. It's incredible with her friends, what she does and what they talk about. And there's still being 11, she's really playful in some way, yeah. which I find so fascinating. And that all comes from within her. Like you say, that yeah. teaching us, right? It's so beautiful. And just for you to 
encourage that and recognize that so that as you see it starting, because just naturally, right, being in school and certain structures and what she sees other parents teaching their children, she's going to start to think, oh, I can't be as playful anymore, or I need to keep my imagination in check or not talk about some of the games that I've come up with. And you being able to remind her, no, that's like who you are. That's your magic. That's your essence, right? Um, is going to give her that little bit of encouragement to keep up her imagination. And maybe you give her a notebook one day that she can just write all her ideas and creative things in. And like those little kind of ways that you just show up and support the most authentic version of your child are going to keep the parts of her alive that otherwise would get squashed. I love that so much. Yeah, that's why, you know, Human design really is a gift. And it applies to, I, I also, I find myself, I cannot just, I have been using it mainly for business, but I'm more and more, I want to use it more for relationships with our, mm. it's for real life. It is for real life, right? Business oh my is goodness. one, one yeah. part of it. So in fact, for me, honestly, human design and relationships, I think is the, the yeah. most yeah. valuable way of, of using this tool because there's just, no other way to understand what's going on in another person's mind and why they react a different way yeah. from you or yeah. why they operate a different way. And again, it just gives you greater empathy, but also confidence of like, oh, like me knowing my husband is a projector. I used to take it so personally when he wanted to be alone. Cause I'm like, yeah. he doesn't want to hang out with me. What? Cause as a generator, that's not something I need to the same extent that he does. Yeah. And understanding that he was a projector I just stopped taking it personally because I I knew that it wasn't he didn't want to be with me. It's he didn't want to be with anyone. And that that is what he needed to recharge and reset. And it that little thing alone saved our relationship. Yeah, yeah. And for me, it was with uh, him being totally defined emotionally and I completely open. And I made it always about me because what I was feeling was it had nothing to do with me. Right. It's it's really it's it's such a blessing. It's. Yeah, just, um, and I've never in my life, especially being a manager, been excited or really into something for so long. So Mm. yeah, (laughs) that's a good sign. Keep it exciting. That's why you should explore all the other ways to use human design because that will kind of keep the excitement alive. It's very funny. Like I, where I have been this week, I've been slowing down a lot and it's a time for me to calibrate and I I have kind of come, I'm not going to share it yet. Um, I probably will with you something but I want to get a human design really more out to the masses and and not even be a coach per se I'm not mm. even my human design is more like a thought leader teacher kind of thing yeah. and I've known this forever um but I want to make it more accessible and it, for me in conjunction with the gene keys because I, I love them mm. so much so and then today I was like looking at you and you're kind of doing that already like and I was like that's exactly how I also like I think I personally want to expand to be more broad and get away yeah. from this, like, I only work with conscious leaders, like, and I have a yeah. lot of Libra in my chart, like Libra is all about relationships, right? And mm, trust that. Yeah, I think you're exactly. going to be brilliant at that. Exactly. And I, I have, I actually, even before I got on the episode, I was like, why have I been holding back for so long to specifically talk more about relationships? And because it was a fear. Yes. So, and I was like, seriously, and I, I, 
and then and everything is always like synchronicities it's so beautiful so that's um, well, let this be the sign yeah next time we'll do an episode on relationships and we can geek out yeah, about that I really, no and I, and honestly i'm the one thing i what comes for me to respond to like i got invited to a summit about sexual pleasure and in, in relation with human design and i was so freaking lit up i'm like oh my god let me cancel all these other business summits Yes. So, and that listen to that that's your sacral yeah yeah and I'm I mean actually let's just like talking right now I feel like being on the playground so anyways Alexandra <laughs> I want to honor your time as well how can people get in touch with you where can they find you the best place to find me is probably on Instagram at Alexandra F for Francesca Cole so Alexandra F Cole and my the website where you'll probably find the most valuable resources is www.thrivingbydesign.com. Um, you'll find a lot of fun reports, courses. Um, I'm also launching my Parenting by Design course. It'll be a live program later this month. So stay tuned for that. I'm really excited to work with people in a more kind of in-depth way on this particular topic. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to make sure if you have a link, I can put it in the show notes and everything. Yes. That's wonderful. And final question for you. What is your one? So especially in terms of human design, because there's so much information with human design, do this and that and the gates and the channels and everything. Like what is the most important piece with human design to live the most fulfilling life and the most fulfilling relationships? We said this at the beginning, but strategy and authority people underestimate the power that it has. Like I did at least, because there's so many other parts of the chart that feel like they give you really specific guidance on how to eat and how to learn and so forth. But if you can truly embrace your strategy and your authority, all of that will be taken care of. Like you won't even have to think about what to eat based on your digestion because your strategy and authority will already lead you to those things. Um, so I would say, even if, you know, you've been into human design for years and years and years, go back and check yourself. Like, am I truly living by my strategy and my authority? Because that's, um, going to have by far the greatest impact on your life. Yeah. That's the foundation of the magic castle, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. I love this. Thank you so much for your wisdom. I also love to really hear your insights on my chart because that's very special for me because I I don't have these like advanced conversations a lot like sometimes I feel a little mm-hmm. bit like alone because like because I, I like to be intellectually challenged can yeah. probably relate to that and that was very very much like that for me so I love that thank you for giving me also some some new perspectives so thank well, you thank you so much for having me and likewise this was so fun for me too thank you and you listeners I am convinced you absolutely love this episode. And as always, I'm happy you're here and I'm very excited to be with you all on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, then please subscribe, rate and leave a review on iTunes. And if you also know someone that you know in your heart could benefit from listening to this podcast, then I invite you to please share and help me reach more conscious leaders so we together can create global impact. I truly appreciate you and see you next time.